Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of Locked On Gators, your daily home for Florida Gators coverage and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host Demetrius Harvey. You can follow him at Demetrius82. Demetrius, say what's up to the people. What's up, everyone? I hope you enjoyed last week's episodes of the Locked On Gators podcast. I know it was a little sporadic, as was the Monday episode that we did not do because of travel and just, you know, normal life stuff. But we're back at it today, and, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I got to go up there and cover the SEC championship game that we are going to be talking plenty about here to start off this show. And with that, uh, traveling back Sunday after a really late night at the beautiful Mercedes-Benz Stadium, mm-hmm. we just needed an episode off, I think, at that point uh, to relax and assess everything that happened there. As, yes, as everyone knows, uh, Florida did drop the SEC championship to Alabama. It started really slow, as we've been used to, but Florida, you know, they really clawed their way back into it at the end, it seemed like, and finished only six points down uh, when they were 17 point underdogs entering the game. So really a a miraculous fight by the Gators at the end, but it was just not a game they could pull off. We're excited to talk about that and more, but first of course, make sure to subscribe, rate and review to anywhere you can listen to podcasts. You can listen to locked on Gators. The most important handle to follow on Twitter. If you are still there is of course at locked on Gators and you will never miss an episode. With that, Demetrius, let's go ahead and talk about this SEC championship game where Florida really did pull off a pretty impressive comeback, Mm. but it just wasn't enough to unseat King Crimson. Yeah, it just wasn't enough to unseat the the golden boys of the SEC, essentially. Alabama, I mean, they've been the team to beat in the SEC for now over a decade. And there's a reason for that, you know, coached by Nick Saban, they're incredibly focused. They're always sharp. It doesn't seem like they've ever had necessarily a big game where you're like, what is this team? You know, they were exactly the team I thought they would be going in. And I felt as though, you know, the Gators, they did about as I expected. They were kind of slow ish to start off. I understand they had 10 points in the first quarter, but you have to admit that not being able to match that Alabama second quarter that featured 21 points. I mean, that's pretty much the reason why they would go on to lose. I mean, I understand that the defense was terrible and I'll own that. I've said that in the past future and present. I understand that the Gators defense is not good. I've said it more times and I've said that they've been improved, which they had been. Uh, but now, obviously, after this game, you can see the Alabama offense is just incredible. I mean, if you just look at even Najee Harris's stats, it doesn't even seem like they're legitimate stats. 31 rushes for 181 yards, three touchdowns, or two touchdowns, excuse me, and then five receptions, 67 yards, and three touchdowns. I mean, that's just – it's just crazy. So it was about as I expected. I knew that they were they would cover. Uh, at the end, it did seem like it was going to be extremely close, obviously. They – had a chance if they would have scored that touchdown, they would have won because they would have kicked the extra point to win it. Uh, but I would also would say that the game wasn't as close as the final score. I agree. I I kind of feel the same way. I feel like Florida's gotten propped up a lot post-game just because of how strong the fight was at the end. And True. and you're right. This is, this is stuff that we should have expected. These are the issues we've seen out of Florida for several weeks entering this game. Slow starts offensively, unlike the start of the season. Uh, Mm-hmm. No one gave this defense a chance against Najee Harris and Devonta Smith, and rightfully so. I mean, those dudes come out and combine for seven touchdowns. It's 
that's all <laughs> that's all she wrote <laughs> folks but yep. uh, but yeah it was just I hold the opinion that while obviously it takes more than one thing to win or lose a football game, and I know it's a bit unpopular, but I think that coaching lost Florida this game. And I think it's not, I don't think it's just Todd Grantham either. You can drag him for the defense. Like Demetrius said, we have throughout the year. It's been bad. It has looked improved at points, but it's been bad. And the fact that, you know, missed tackles were still just a, a terrible issue. Offside 12 men penalties, on the field. 12 men on the field. Also, it was kind of funny that the first play, for the first play, the kickoff, <laughs> they were offsides on the kickoff. Not that that's Grantham, but that was just ridiculous. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's it, defensively, it wasn't even anything new. It was a mix of a ton of star power on the other side, paired with seeing the same basic fundamental issues that should not be there, there in week 11. And then after that, I'll go into the offense. But yeah, Demetrius, it's just, I guess it was really par for the course. It really was. I mean, like you were saying, the defensive issues showed up. The offensive struggles showed up. I will say, you know, obviously there were some good performances out there. Trask did well. 408 yards, three touchdowns is about, you know, what I would expect from a Heisman candidate. I know that now, for some reason, he's not getting that many, you know, Heisman votes or or odds or whatever we talk about that a little bit yeah it seems like it it seems like the hype has died down on you know the nation's leading passer but it is what it is and Kadarius Tony eight reception 153 yards of touchdowns I mean these guys played their hearts out like they I, I will say that at least if you know coaching issues and everything aside this team definitely looked like they were prepared and ready to go the players looked as though they were they were going to play hard and they played hard until the final whistle uh but but you're right yeah the coaching issues were just dramatic i mean that timeout near the end of the game after or before i think it was before the two point conversion yeah, it was they after could use that clock, timeout the clock had mm-hmm. stopped they had scored a touchdown right. the, there was nothing going on and they need with, well, with with clock control and game control you need those timeouts that was the most yeah. That might have been the most ridiculous thing Dan Mullen's done besides another thing he did during the game was when Elam, Kyrie Elam made that stop on Devonta Smith on fourth down. It was like mm. that rare, at true stop facing Alabama Amazing. that you're going to get. And back-to-back quarterback runs to open the game, the script of the next drive with Kyle Trask. Emory That's Jones crazy. had already averaged 12 yards per carry on two rushes by then. Like Even though they would expect him to run, he was still causing damage. And instead, Trask runs back-to-back Trask runs for a total of one yard. They yeah. punt. And then they like, – like, I get that Trask had the the nice, like – he could have got that touchdown that I believe uh, Naquan Wright or somebody vultured from him where he ran it a couple times near the goal line, got pretty big chunk yards. And I guess that that was the thought process. But either way, that that's just ridiculous too. You don't go away from what's working, and that was never that's never been a thing that's worked this whole season. I don't care what you say. They've yeah, he's it. had a couple of things. The coaching yeah. staff even <laughs> jokes about it when we're talking to them in press conferences. Like that, we we obviously joke around, and me and Brian Johnson have joked about Lamar Traskson, but like Dan's even said it this year. We know that Kyle's not a strong rusher, and you're depending on him he, to create your run game, like. Again, it was the it's, concerted effort. They're, 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 uh, on the first two drives, me and David Waters were both pointing out that every play there was a new running back. It, even though they really weren't running the ball, it was just like there was no attempt whatsoever to set up a run game except for with the slowest player 
that could possibly right. run the ball, running the ball. It was just another one of those things where it's like, Dan, what <laughs> are, are you doing? doing? Yeah, and it seemed like, you know, obviously Alabama was off to a huge lead. I think it was 35 to 17 in the first half or after mm-hmm. the first half. So they just completely went away from They said, nope, we're not running the ball anymore. And, I mean, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But that's the exact problem we were talking about every single week this season. And it was in anticipating this matchup. You know, there's reasons why we're nitpicking. It's because we're looking ahead. You know, that Alabama game was earmarked for pretty much after after week three loss and they started going on that winning streak. I was like, they're going to win the SEC East. They're going to mm. face Alabama. Let's see what's going on. They weren't running the football. The timeout at the end, and I get, I, I know exactly what Dan Mullen was thinking. He was like, I want a perfect play. I want to get this two-point conversion. Never mind the fact that they didn't need the two-point conversion. Yes, you do want that to win the game at the end by an extra point, but you could have just kicked the extra point and then had the time kick the field goal to tie it, at least going to overtime. You know, like th- th- there are just other situations where you, if you have to burn that timeout, it's not worth it. And that's but, the thing that you, know, you and I, I have said throughout the year is like, and I don't, and people got mad at me for critiquing the coaching staff saying that they were a godsend and that I should not be trying to run Mullen out of town. <laughs> I hmm. never, like, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think I ever criticized Mullen in particular for his in no. coaching. I usually think he's pretty damn good. Um, we haven't we we but, haven't criticized Mullen at all for most things. But that was the thing. It's like in this huge game for him, there's so much you can call out. Like the, the, I personally think, although the, like I said, there were so many issues that led to this. Coaching was the biggest issue, and really, Dan might have been the biggest issue, comparatively speaking. When he is not the type to make dumb decisions right. like he did throughout the night. Right, at, at least with Todd Grantham in the in the defense, you know that that's going to probably <laughs> not be good. Like you already going in, like, all right, well here we go. Todd's calling the defense again, and they're giving up third and longs every single, you know. So at least you know that. But then to have Dan Mullen, you know, make you know a couple really costly mistakes in the game, in a game that you can't even have any margin for error, it was just really bad and. And it's not typical. I, I will say it's not typical from him, and I'm sure he regrets it. You know, he said in the post game he made a mistake on that timeout. So yeah. it just is what it is. Water on the bridge, I guess. But just uh, that's that's what happened in the game. Yeah, I think that's my final point. Is it, it, it was really a coaching issue or issues that led to this? But you said it, and you were correct that the players did come out. They came out fighting. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the reason they put up 46 points. Uh, I think much more than coaching or anything else. They came out with a purpose. They came out, I think, especially motivated after what happened the week before. And more power to these players, more props to these players for putting up such a strong fight. You could see Kyle Trask cursed mm. in the postgame presser. He was emotional. <laughs> it was damn. He didn't, he didn't say anything yeah. <laughs> earth-shattering. But it was – you felt bad for the dude. I mean, I look, right. up, I look up to Kyle a ton, even as just a media member, like – with his story and, and, and what he was able to do this year and to see the emotion from him after the game, you you have so much respect for these players, especially in a year like this, especially like Dan said, the physical and emotional toll of this season specifically. Mm. My, my final note in recapping this SEC championship is, I, I wrote it, Kyle Trask, you take a bow, but I guess really all of these players, you guys deserve a standing ovation for what you were able to do Absolutely. this season. Absolutely. If I can just jump in, I would like to echo those words. Obviously, this season has been incredibly difficult. I can't imagine uh, as a college football player, first of all, these guys are students too. They go to class, they take 
they take notes, they take tests. Um, people can say what they want about collegiate athletes and and what they do and and how they you know go to class and and pass their their classes. But yeah, I know these guys are all hard workers, especially a guy like Trask who's in his graduates. You know, it's just a it, it, it's just been a crazy season. Eight straight SEC games. I don't think that's ever going to be matched um, ever again because of how crazy the season is. And I think that they all deserve props and um, they deserve all the praise that they can get. Yeah, I completely agree. It's going to be one that I don't think we'll really ever forget because of just the testament and the the strength that all of these guys shown. It's unlike anything I think we've seen in college football history. Uh, with that being said, we've got more to talk about some of these players specifically. We saw it with Kyle Pitts. Early hours the next day after the SEC championship, he did opt out of the bowl game as he prepares for the NFL. Completely expected. Uh, are we expecting any more, or are we expecting some guys to suit up for this bowl game? More after these messages. Do you guys ever feel as though you're always on? Don't you want just a moment to relax and chill? It's been difficult this year, especially with everything going on, social issues, and the expectations to be on 24-7 with families and friends. Sometimes you need a breather, and especially with the Gators this season, it can be stressful. That's why Coors Light is the perfect cold one to open up. Saturdays are a time to chill. Watching Florida football and relaxing with Coors Light that's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, literally made to chill. I personally love the refreshing taste. It makes me chill out, relax a little bit, and enjoy the day. I know one thing. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and a new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly with Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, everybody? I'm Demetrius Harvey. And I'm Zach Goodall. And we're Locked On Gators. Are we ready for some college football? With college football bowl games now announced, we are anticipating some big matchups. There's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code Locked On for 50% welcome bonus. And we've got a lot of bets to look forward to with the college football playoff odds being released. Notre Dame is a 19.5 point underdog to Alabama in the Rose Bowl. That's the biggest spread in college football playoff history. Then you look at the Heisman. Devonta Smith, Alabama's receiver, is now the favorite at minus 210. Kyle Trask has plus 2,800 odds at betonline.ag. That meant if you were to bet $1 on Kyle Trask to win the Heisman, you'd do it 28 back. I think I know what I'm betting on. Yeah, I would say that that sounds about right for Notre Dame. 19.5-point underdogs, it just doesn't seem like they're the ones to beat this year. That Trask odds, though, I would probably end up taking that. Plus 2,800 sounds amazing to me, but... You guys should not sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportbooks experts. Betting on the Florida Gators doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Serling. Get daily picks and quick-hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Lockdown Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Demetrius, we saw it 
as I was saying in the last segment, Kyle Pitts did opt out, sent out a big thank you letter. We Before we even get into anyone else, man, that's another guy that's got to take a bow right there for just how spectacular, how special he was, how important he was for this off- offense. And go make that money, man. I mean, top 10 pick, as <laughs> Mullen said, you could argue that he's worth a top five pick because I don't think a single team in the NFL could look at him and say, I don't need that in my offense. I, he every, he could every, change you. Every single team needs a Kyle Pitts in their offense. I think I think I said it since week one. I don't mean to toot my own horn. I think every a lot of people knew about Kyle Pitts last year, but just like just watching his performances over the first few weeks of the season, you could see what an incredible athlete this guy was. Just it, different different level than every single other player on the field. I think he showed that even in, in the SEC championship game on that last touchdown. I think that that's probably the perfect play for him to go out on to mm-hmm. just uh, the, catching it over three defenders out Alabama defenders at that, some of the best players in the entire nation, uh, and to to almost bring your team within, you know, they were within six points at the end because of that Kyle, Kyle Pitts touchdown catch. And just for him, you know, like you said, Zach, every single team in the NFL needs a Kyle Pitts. And I, I think that, you know, in, in some other eras, he would maybe go in the top five. Uh, I don't know, but uh, top 10, TJ Hawkinson went top 10. I think he's better than TJ Hawkinson. And, I'm not saying that he's going to go top 10, but but he he definitely deserves it. And I think that probably top 20, something like that. But just him to to go off, obviously, there's no reason for him to play in this bowl game coming up. I get that everybody wants to see all the players all the time, but there's really no reason for him to play. Uh, it, it just is what it is, and, and good luck to him. Now, the big thing will be who else could opt out of this game. Obviously, there's some... Mm-hmm. There's some obvious candidates to do it just because of their draft hype. But then again, it's always impossible to predict these things because you never know exactly what's going on in the mind of the kid. I mean, Kadarius Tony, we thought he was going to leave last year, even at one point. <laughs> so I guess I wouldn't be totally shocked if he decides he's done, he's ready. I mean, by the sounds of his press conference, I sure as hell don't think he's coming back next year. He was talking about how they'll be great next year as if he wasn't necessarily a part of that plan. Uh, but you never know. Maybe he will still come out and say, I want to go out with a win at Florida to end my four-year career here and go on the Mm -hmm. field. But whether it's him as a senior with draft prospects now, Trayvon Grimes has emerged as another draft prospect, a a high-scoring guy with a lower amount of volume, comparatively speaking to the Pitts and Tony in the amount of touches and targets they had this year. Kyle Trask being one himself. I mean, a Heisman-caliber quarterback, fifth-year guy, First round draft hype now, probably later first round, early second. We'll see how things go with the senior bowl. Uh, We've said it all along. I mean, he keeps saying he's still got a decision to make, but he accepted a senior bowl invite as well as Grimes and Tony and some other guys. So those guys, they really are gone. They're just not saying it yet. Uh, Unless there's some rule that I don't know about that's changed where you can withdraw from the senior bowl and come back with how weird of a year it's been. We do need to anticipate – those three guys, uh, the TJ Slaytons, um, mm-hmm. Stone Forsyth, Brett Heggie, even though they're not playing in the Shrine Bowl because it was canceled, they accepted invites to the Shrine Bowl. So it's been forecasted. They are going to lose a lot of guys. The question is, who will step out in Jerry World and play with the Gators one last time? Yeah, and the thing about Kadarius Tony, I... I... If I were him, I really wouldn't play. And it's just because, you know, a couple weeks ago, I don't know if people remember, but 
he was injured in that LSU game. You know, he 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 got hurt. His his ankle, I believe. I, I don't know what happened, but on that last play, he couldn't really step off of it too much. I mean, he got them in the field goal range, but I think that a healthier Kadarius Tony on that specific play would have been able to get a little bit more extra yards. Now, I understand, obviously, this game he was good and ready to go, but it's just stuff like that. Do you want? Do you really want to risk your injury for a bowl game and? I know that every single game that this team plays is very important to them because they're just competitors. They want to win. Uh, to go out with a win would be fantastic. I'm sure Dan Mullen has stressed that to the team. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, he also, even Mullen said, you know, it's up to players. You know, he said that he understands why Kyle Pitts would opt out. You know, look, this guy has a bright future. And the same can be said about Kadarius Tony: 70 receptions, 984 yards, 10 touchdowns, just an unbelievable year for him. Uh, probably one of the best wide receivers in college football this season, uh, especially near the end of the stretch. I forgot what his statistics were the last few games, but it was something insane. Mm-hmm. So uh, just just for him, I think that he should probably not play. Same for Tra- Trayvon Grimes, uh, although he has a little bit more that he should probably want to showcase, I guess. But, I mean, what are you really going to show in just one more game? Uh, when well, we're talking about Trask. Maybe, maybe without Pitts, if he does yeah. have Trask at least against Oklahoma. Right, exactly. I mean, it's definitely a potential, especially Oklahoma. I mean, we all we all know about that conference and how the defense is played. But then again, I guess we can't really talk trash about that conference when we're looking at the SEC and the points point scored uh, even most recently. So fair. Uh, I will say that you know Trayvon Grimes coming back for the bowl game wouldn't be too much of a shock. But at the same time, I think that he's another guy, like you said, to probably going to not play. And then Kyle Trask, who knows? I mean. Quarterback, quarterbacks, I don't know if they necessarily uh, withdraw early every year, but it'll be interesting to see. I mean, he's not a guy that's a lock for anything, really. But And also, in fairness to Kyle, well, not even necessarily fairness, but it's just more mm-hmm. understanding Kyle, being around Kyle, knowing him as right. the guy he is. He strikes me as the type that does play that last game. It's going to win a little play. Yeah, if I anyone agree. is going I think- to, it's probably going to be him. I think so too. I I I think that you know if 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 he if if anybody's gonna want to play that game and win and have that last game being the victory and to go out finishing the entire season, it's gonna be a Kyle Trask. So I could see that. And you know you, you got another New York New Year's Six bowl game. So I mean, shoot, you might as well I guess get that get that uh second one in a row for Kyle and a third one in a row for Dan Mullen. That'd be great. Yeah, I agree. Now, Mullen made one point as well. Um, I got it, but it seemed like a bit of a stretch uh, for encouraging guys that may not have the highest stock to come back and at least play in this game. He pointed to Chauncey Gardner-Johnson being the MVP of the Peach Bowl against Michigan, having those two interceptions. Miraculous game. But, I mean, Gardner slipped in the draft. Gardner-Johnson. Yeah. He went to the fourth I, round, right? Yeah, and I he was widely mm. regarded as a day two guy um, before that. Right. Everyone and their mother was shocked when he fell to the fourth round, if I remember correctly. Mm. There were a lot of people saying, like, what's going on here? Why why is he falling? <laughs> uh, super talented guy, but, I mean, I guess in Dan's eyes, he raised his stock somehow. And at the end of the day, though, Gardner Johnson has turned out to be a pretty nice fourth round pick for New Orleans as well. With 30 Absolutely. starts, 20 pass breakups, two interceptions. He is a playmaker, and and he certainly did take off that last year and in that bowl game with Florida. Yeah, I, I kind of see what he's saying in that maybe there's like a breakout star. 
I'm not sure. Maybe like Slayton comes back and plays and has like three sacks or I, I don't know. At the end of the day, one game is not going to determine your draft stock. I think that everybody knows that. I think, you know, Dan Mullen knows that one game is not going to completely change the minds of NFL evaluators. These guys scout the team, scout the players since their freshman year. They're using a full body of work, not just one game. But I will say that the standout games do does get you talked about more in the media, and that sometimes does bring up your draft hype. So there's a little bit on both sides. Uh, either way, I think that whatever decisions these guys make, it's it's going to be for the best in the best interest of themselves as they should, um, especially considering this year and how grueling it's been. I think that this game is going to be great to see the future of the Florida Gators program rather than what we saw this year. Without a doubt. And, and with that being said, we keep talking about this game, this bowl. We haven't even gotten into much detail. So when we come back from what this quick it? break, we'll be telling you guys exactly what the bowl game is because if you've been living under a rock until now, then you wouldn't know. So stick around and you'll find out. What's up, everyone? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Lockdown Gators podcast. And I'll tell you what. Being a sports journalist, doing what I do every day, I do need a lot of energy. I'm a guy that's always drank coffee, but recently it's just not been getting it done for me in order for me to break through my wall, which is why I've been going towards Built Go as a replacement for any other energy drink because it's a lot more healthy. It's brought to you by the same folks that brought us Built Bar, my favorite protein bar that we've talked about plenty here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's great because not only does Built Go bring you energy, but it also gives you protein. It's also loaded with vitamins uh, such as B6 and B12, 10,000% of your daily value, and other great things, including collagen protein that's fast-absorbing to get into your system fast. Plus, it's easy on your stomach when you've got a long day ahead, filled with work, where you really need this energy. It comes in three great flavors, my favorite being the peanut butter honey. It's got a kick of caffeine, and it's only 1.5 ounces in each package. So it's easy to carry around, easy to take with you whenever you need it. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Let's break through those walls. Drum roll, please. If you've been living under a rock, then you wouldn't know that the Florida Gators are facing the Oklahoma Sooners in the Cotton Bowl Classic, December 30th at 8 p.m. from Jerry World at AT&T Stadium in Dallas. It should be a fun one. It should be one where, I mean, I could see 100 points being scored in this game without a doubt. <laughs> we, uh, what, it was 98, I guess? Yeah, 98 for the SEC championship. So at that point, I could easily see 100 points in this game between if Kyle Trask is back especially and then going up against what's a real dynamic Oklahoma offense as well, as always with Lincoln Riley calling plays. Yeah, Spencer Rattler coming out and developing after a bit of a slow start to the year. It should be a really fun game if these teams are at their full strength or close to full strength in regards to opt-outs. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun game. I mean, if, if you've been living under a rock or you just de decompressed after the SEC championship game, which I don't blame you, I immediately following the game or maybe even right at the end, I got a bunch of mentions from Gator, angry Gator fans. Obviously, they were very sad and upset, and I completely understand. You know, they were they were talking to me about the, you know, the Gators defense and how I, you know, sort of uh, a little bit, you know, praised them a long time ago because they were improving and, 
you know, I, I understand. There was a lot of hurt Gator fans in my mention, so I get it if you kind of just tuned out everything. You know, they're playing the Cotton Bowl against the number six team in the nation. The Gators finished at number seven in the final college football playoff rankings. I know that, that a lot of people said that that was an upset in terms of, you know, where the Gators should have been ranked. I know that people had Coastal Carolina. They thought that they deserved a New Year's Six bowl game bid, but a lot of people don't understand how those bowl games are even picked in the first place. So, uh, but like you said, they're they're facing off against Oklahoma. This is the second time in school history. I'm sure if you're a Gator fan that isn't a bandwagon this year, you understand the significance of this one because they're going to be playing Oklahoma for the first time since the BCS National Championship game back in, I believe, 08, which is actually, coincidentally, the last game that Dan Mullen uh, coached as the offensive coordinator for the Gators uh, before he was the Mississippi State head coach, which he had recently taken. He had recently taken that job like a, maybe a week later or, I mean, a week before or something like that. So yeah, it's really in, interesting I to see. In his, I believe in his Cotton Bowl press conference, he had even said yeah. like right after the game, he got on a plane to Starkville. Yeah, that's exactly what happened because he had already accepted the, the head coaching job. So he was coaching them and coaching the Gators at the same time, basically, which is pretty incredible. And that's just how college football works. It's weird. Um, but yeah, they're facing off for the second time in school history. I think it's the, what did they say? The second time that the Gators are even in Texas. Some, I had to pull out the accent a little bit. Texas, kind of like, kind of like <laughs> the PR people on the uh, on the press conference. It was funny. They Cassidy Hill, a friend of uh, ours on the beat. They call her Cassidy Hill. <laughs> you. Yeah, Florida is going over to Texas for this, and here they will be, at least the early odds indicate they're three-point favorites with an over-under of 72. I am smashing that over, and I am never looking back. Absolutely. You might as well. I mean, if you think that Dan Mullen's not going to pull out all the stops and just, like, go it's pass like he, heavy, it's like, he runs the ball. it's like he runs the ball the entire game. Oh my God! The the wishbone actually comes out. <laughs> yes, I actually kind of hope that. I, <laughs> I hope it happens. I mean, you guys, you guys know that this is going to be an interesting matchup. Obviously, you got two high powered offenses going against two defenses that couldn't. Never let me stop. But you know what I mean. <laughs> they're not. They're not great. They're not great defenses. So it is what it is. It should be a fun one, mm. though. No matter what, we're excited to cover it. Um, and I'm sure these guys will be excited to play. Uh, right now, they're taking Absolutely. a couple of days off. Uh, Mullen said uh, after the long season they had, they wanted guys to go home, see their families, or do whatever they needed to do to just re-energize. Uh, and I can't blame him whatsoever for doing that. They've done a bunch of virtual meetings, and guys are off. I know for a fact some guys are already training with personal trainers, uh, getting ready for this offseason. Um so uh, you do love to see that dedication. Um, and regardless, it, once they do get back and into the fold, if they're able to get enough guys back at least, it, which you'd assume. Uh, Dan was saying that the team seems very excited, but obviously our eyes will be on these opt-outs. Uh, that will certainly change the outlook. That'll change the spread if there are opt-outs really on either side. It could be complicated, and we've only got nine days between yeah. now and the bowl. Ten since it was announced. It's unlike a normal year where you'd have some more time to get a real game plan put together and handle the news that'll come. But I guess with that being said, expect a busy nine days one way or another in between now and this bowl game. 
Yeah, I'm really interested to see, you know, who comes out and is the breakout star for the Gators. I'm sure a lot of young – I mean, after the whole season, we've been begging basically on the podcast, even as media members, for them to play some young guys. Maybe we'll finally see that. Um, I am I would like to see some Anthony Richardson. I'd like to see a lot of Emory Jones. Emory is going to be the starting quarterback next year, barring something crazy where Trask comes back for the sixth year and – and that's not going to happen. But, yeah, so Emory is going to be the starting quarterback. I'd like to see him heading into next season. Uh, just have fun with it. I mean, it's a bowl game, I understand, and it's important to put that little trophy or whatever they get after they win. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's not the championship game. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Anyway, that uh, that should just about do it for us here on this episode of Locked On Gators, recapping this SEC championship and looking forward. As I said before, this could be somewhat of a crazy next couple of nine days if there is a lot of news to come out. There is certainly potential for there to be, or it could be silent on the Gators' front as they prepare for the Oklahoma Sooners in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, That being said, as I said at the start of the show, make sure to go... Uh, subscribe, rate, and review to Locked On Gators. You can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall. My co-host, Demetrius Harvey, at Demetrius82. And most importantly, to never miss an episode, follow at Locked On Gators. We'll catch up with you guys next time.